0: Well, good evening boys. Welcome to week 9 of the podcast, C Special 1, Summary Men's Business. I'm your podcast host and captain, Mark Foster. And isn't it fantastic boys to finally get back on the winners list? Yes, the Summary boys prevailing, 34 games to 20 over Merlinston, but we'll get on to that later of course. First of all, as per normal, let's kick off with some feedback from episode 8, which was a pretty short episode in relation to the washout at Sunbury against Greenvale. Even though it was a short episode, it certainly didn't stop people from chiming in and giving me their two cents worth. So first of all, oh look, let's just call him the Swedish chef, as he's been enjoying stirring the pot, blabbering on incoherently and cooking up God knows what disaster at the end, had this to say. Let's hope the week off gives you boys time to regroup. Having said that, your troubles seem to run deeper than first thought. The commitment levels need to be questioned of team members. From the outside looking in, the captain doesn't have to seem to have much authority. Could be a long season ahead for you boys, unless you're all pulling in the same direction. Well, 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 there's some feedback. (laughs) This again, boys, is exactly what is wrong with free speech in this country. It is just so laughably and unbelievably off the mark. Even I can't believe the utter garbage that has just come from this guy. This guy has easily got to be likened to the ex-ALP leader Mark Latham of tennis commentary. You forget about him for a while, then suddenly he chimes in with something so far incorrect and ridiculous that you just shake your head and remember why you don't really want to hear from him in the first place. I will acknowledge one thing he's commented on, and that's the commitment levels. I'll tell you what, sweetie, chef. There probably does need to be a bit of commitment made towards the mental asylum. There's a few boys in this team an incident or two away from the straitjacket. Harding, I am looking at you, mate, with your lack of listening after the fourth set, which I will get to very, very soon. Now, speaking of Harding, he chipped in with Miss the Audi ad. Get one now! Yes, I know you love the plug, Ashley, but I cannot plug the company if there's no play the week before. Rules are rules, my man. I know you've never liked following, but by golly, there must be order in this world, even if it's li- still limited to this psychological train wreck of a podcast. Otherwise, anarchy, mate. Anarchy. Good news for you mate, it is back this week and with a vengeance and there is some movement on the leaderboard my friend, but all in good time. Now the other thing he noted was how's Pop Mummy Australia going? Now this was actually a question for discussion after Thursday night's game amongst the boys and I've definitely got to clarify a few things here. Pop Mummy is a real business, it is not something I've made up Let's face it, I couldn't make anything like that up in my life. For those listeners who actually know this bunch of motley pirates, my my wife Priscilla set up Pop Mummy Australia a few months ago. Business is up and running and it will continue to evolve. Now, Pop Mummy Australia does sell a wide variety of things, so stay tuned for more exciting announcements. Of course, for those that are serious face bonkers, you can find the business on there. And hopefully her website isn't too far away Now one thing is for sure I'm extremely proud of her Not only does she have to put up with me and me antics But she's also got a pretty strong hard work ethic Actually interesting boys When I was actually writing material for this podcast She came in and told me she had a first big sale this afternoon Which is fantastic So keep at it my love you have our support Boys do yourself a favour Get those who must be abating your family onto it and have a look it cannot hurt and they might just find something they've been looking for. So with last week's stuff out the way boys, let's look forward to what's coming up in this episode. We'll break down the victory over Merlinston, find out who's leading the Audi Player of the Year, go around the grounds of course thanks to Pop Mummy Australia, check out who's got the bromance of the week and find out which pair won't be riding each other a Christmas card this week in the It's Not Me, It's You segment. And even though there's not much feedback to this segment, I'm going to ask a new poll question. And of course, boys, there is the long-awaited interview with the key man, Lachlan Smith. It is an absolute ripper of an interview, boys. He has definitely left nothing on the table. So let's turn our attention to last Thursday night's game, which was, of course, at home to Sunbury against Merlinston. The weather for mine was absolutely gorgeous, although maybe it did feel a bit humid to me—not the rest of the boys, though. However, there was no wind to speak of. Glorious conditions for what would unfold. So the lineup was as follows: Harding on the back of his mixed performance last night went to number one. Taylor, who's been in form, took number two. Foster dropped to three, with Smith taking four. Smith, by the way, admitted he felt a bit rusty to me before the game. I'm not quite sure he was fooling by the end of it, though, as he actually dominated for once. So the boys had two courts, which meant it would be a relatively early finish either way. Now, first up was Harding and Taylor. Off the back of last week's podcast, where I did say I was worried about the slow starts, Taylor and Harding once again managed to find themselves down 5-1 before pulling it back To go down 6-4. Foster and Smith of course wasted no time in dismantling their pair. And came out on top 6 games to 1. Summary up 3 games after 2 sets. Now Harding and Foster then took to the court with Taylor and Smith on the other one. Harding and Foster snuck through 6 games to 5. Whilst Taylor and Smith did what they needed to do to secure a 6 games to 4 victory. Summary up 6 games with 2 sets to go. It's also been noted on this podcast last week that Merlinston were tricky customers over the last two sets. The boys, most of us, had a quick chat before the last two. Well, I should clarify something here right now. Three of the four boys were talking tennis. The other one, Ashley Harding, was too worried about the pizza order than talking tactics. As it prevailed, it was one of those times where Harding didn't have to think too much about anything, as Smith and Harding punished their opponents, winning six games to one, where Taylor and Foster got their business done, winning six games to three. Now, incidentally, both matches were locked at three love at the same stage, so victory was pretty much secured with a few games left. Somebody getting the job done, 34 games to 20, with play finishing around 9.20. Now, for me, boys... The absolute highlight of the post-match banter was Eric finally bringing some of his wife's magnificent cake in, thus ending the pizza and beer streak that had been going on since Adam was a boy and had a racket in his hand. Thank you very much, Leah. It was absolutely magnificent. Although I'm not sure why the Burleson boys weren't keen on it, as Lachlan was dishing it out, Perhaps maybe you have a habit of putting your fingers on top of the cake before cutting it might have turned them off. Crowd, by the way, was massive. One. Thanks, Dave. Coming to see a bit of action. Now, if only the word had got around as to how well we were going, we could have easily increased that to at least three by the end of the night. So the positives, a much, much better performance than the previous match against Duda where we all stunk. Really put the foot down in those last two sets. Milanston it had to be said, didn't get much of a chance to put up a fight in the last two. Such was the quality the boys were displaying. Lots of discipline, keeping the ball in play, doing the basics. I thought one of the good things was that we dictated play and we didn't let them in after the first two sets. Both of the last sets were pretty much fixed on trying to hit it to the weaker player. Negatives. Well, I'll say it again, still a slowish start by Taylor and Harding in the first. I noted, however, that Eric did make mention of this in his interview, so it's something new for you two to work on. Apart from that, not much else to report. So, after this week... Let's go to everyone's favourite segment. Yes, it's back! The Audi Australia Player of the Year Award. And the votes were as follows. One vote, Eric Taylor. Nice and steady night for the Silver Fox, who's been in very consistent form. He fought very hard in the first set. Well, he had two playing with the hitman and got better with every set. Three games up for the night. Two votes, Ashley Harding. Pretty much in the same light as Eric got better in the second and exploded in the third. Now, some of her actually wish that was literally he'd explode, unless it wasn't. Stepped up into the number one position nicely, four up for the night. Our three votes to Mark Foster. Probably been a little bit stung by the last few weeks. Admitted his form wasn't where he wanted it to be. On the angry internal pills, smashed the first set with Lachlan and didn't give his opponent a chance to get into a routine all night. Nine up. And four votes. Lachlan Smith. For a bloke who said he was rusty, he'd obviously been inspired by the heroics of the Melbourne Football Club, even wore the Guernsey on court. A very, very good performance from the boy. We did see a smile and a few fist pumps. Totally dominated his opponent and ended up 12-up for the night. So let's go to the Audi Australia leaderboard. And after this week, Eric's been brought back to the field just a little bit. He currently leads on 11.5 votes, ahead of Foster on 10.5. Smith's BOG effort brings him to 10. Clark holds fourth spot with 7.5 votes, with Harding on 7. Reynolds stays on 3.5, but will obviously move up after next week. Audi Australia, my word, what a fine piece of automotive excellence. Here is a fun fact, boys. Did you know that in 1996, Audi began the trademarking process for a beating heart sound, which was then used in an Audi A8 commercial in the year 2010? i tell you what, boys. My heart skips a beat every time I hear that clunk of the car door when I close it. Yes? I say it every week, boys, because I can. If you've never driven an Audi, then chances are you don't own one or know anyone who does or ever will. Audi. Or Sprung Technique. Audi. Get one now. Now, thanks to the second sponsor, Pop Mummy Australia, it's time to go around the grounds for C-Special 1 action. So first up, Duda Geller snuck in by three games, defeating Royal Park. Tullamarine brushed aside the still-winless Greenvale 30 games to 22, and in the game of the week, St John Bosco knocked off Keeler East 31 games to 25. St John Bosco having an emergency and a player from C Special 5 come up, it still managed to beat Keeler East, who also had an emergency. So, boys, a quick look at the ladder sees us moving up one place to fifth, leapfrogging Merlinston on percentage. Only four points separate Keeler East and us, so we are within striking distance, although this week will be a toughie. Next week's game see Greenvale travel to Royal Park. Merlinston are at home to St John Bosco, whereas the game of the week sees Keeler East up against Dudegala. My tips are St John Bosco, Greenvale for the upset, and do to to defeat Keela East. Now that round once again was proudly sponsored by Pop Mummy Australia. Ladies, spring is finally upon us. As the weather warms up to a party mood in the evening, dancing in the lush green garden, it's time to bring in the Flower Lights Tiara. Yes, you heard me boys, the Flower Lights Tiara. Ladies, shine and dazzle away the evening... Vibrant and romantic. Set the mood for your party with this flower lights tiara right now. It'll bring out the princess in you, whether you're 6 or 76. They are so, so good ladies. I actually wore one for my interview with the key man. I kid you not. And wasn't he impressed? Maybe a little bit unnerved, but he was still impressed. Pop Mummy Australia has them now for $10. Yes, $10. I could not believe it myself either. Pick it up from Summary or the CBD, postage available at extra cost. I'll tell you what, boys, they have literally been flying off the shelves and we are running low on stock. For more items, check out the Pop Mummy Australia Facebook page. You know you want to. Pop Mummy Australia, go there now. So, this week, I won't mince words, boys. Tullamarine at Tullamarine.com. First versus fifth. They are the benchmark of this section. Going way back to the start of this season's podcast, I did inform you that they played off in a grand final in B-Res 5, but still came down. But you know what, boys? We shouldn't fear them. They are, after all, only men with rackets. Statistically-wise, they are much, much better at home than they are away. They've dropped just two sets at home all season. However, their only loss was away This year at Royal Park. And interestingly enough they lost the first two sets. Boys they are very very strong in the last two sets when they win. Sitting at 7 and 1 in their last sets when they've won. So they will be pretty confident going into the last two. Now they've actually had the same four players playing for them each week. But in only two occasions have they kept the same order. So it shows they're pretty adept at playing any position. Now we have played against two of them before. Jordan Lilly and Carl Finaro a few years ago. I can't remember much about Carl Fenaro, but Jordan Lilly is certainly a tricky little customer. Doesn't look like he belongs out there, but he does get the job done. Now, they've both been pre- playing predominantly positions three and four, so I'm wondering whether that's their rightful positions. Now, out for this week is Harding and Smith, with Clark coming back into the side. It's the same team against Duda Geller that got pumped. So, boys, there's plenty of redemption coming up. Let's be positive, cracking hard from the start, and give them an almighty shock. Now, thanks to our friends at Candlebark Retreat in Beechworth, it's time for the mmm, get a room segment. Yes, there were two equal bromances this week involving Lachlan in both of them. Lachlan, of course, winning 6-1 with E.T. and with the captain as well. So, yes, boys, there is a bit of sandwich action going on with Lachlan in the middle right there, and we probably could go down the wrong side of the rope with a few gags there, but that will be where it's left at for this week. Bark Retreat in Beechworth, what a magnificent establishment. Located between Chilton and Beechworth, it's perfect for that weekend getaway. Yes, it's well worth a trip to Beechworth and Chilton, whether it's generally relaxing, having a beer bird-watching or visiting the magnificent Beechworth Bakery and smashing down a Bavarian cream ring or three. Boys, they are absolutely magnificent. While you're there, try one of their famous Ned Kelly pies. My word, they are good too. They are absolutely magnificent, those pies. It really is the place to be. Bark Retreat. Book it now. Now... Thanks to Adina's down at Port Arlington, it's time for It's Not Me, It's You. Not many appointments this week for the shrink. It is only Harding and Taylor this week with a 6-4 loss. Boys, 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 when are you going to learn that slow start is going to burn you? Less chit-chat, especially you, Ashley. Keep the incessant talking up, mate, and i tell you what, Eric is going to lose the grip off that racket one day. And then it'll be nighty nights to you, my boy, at dinas at Port Arlington. Let me tell you a story about this dodgy joint, boys. A few weeks ago, the good lady wife and I went down to Port Arlington after visiting Geelong in the day. Now, Port Arlington is a magnificent spot in Victoria, if any of you know. And it is absolutely beautiful on a, uh, a nice Saturday afternoon. So after a leisurely walk, we went to this joint and we ordered two sets of calamari and chips with garlic aioli sauce, as you do. The service was fine, (laughs) and then the food came. Calamari, boys, was mediocre, and to be honest, I think I would have rather munched on one of our tyres. Funnily enough, there must have been a Macca's nearby, as that's where the fries were from, I reckon. But boys, the best is yet to come. Oh, yes, it is. We do enjoy the old garlic aioli, but not when you find a thick strand of black hair in the bottom half of the plate. And you think the waitress even gave a shit when she told her? No, no, no. She just screwed her nose up at it and us and took it away. The indifference, boys, was putrid. Anyhow, a few minutes later, we left and told the cashier. I'll tell you what, boys, the indifference continued... It was an absolute nightmare. And she said, Oh, you should have told us and we could have replaced it. No fucking shit, Sherlock. What a road scholar. I'm so glad she was able to tell us the bleeding obvious. We should just be thankful she lifted her head just enough to acknowledge us. How privileged are we? Anyway, Adina's, that place sucks. And you know what the most ironic thing, boys, was? The restaurant was located on Harding Street. I knew that place would fail to deliver the moment I walked in the door. Now once again boys, this segment is open to any of you to nominate a dodgy business, so send your ideas in and I'll give them a richly deserved bake. Unlike the calamari that clearly wasn't at Adina's. Finally boys, this week's poll question is, and you boys have got to lift your game on this, which member of this dodgy team of individuals would you take a bullet for? Not necessarily in the chest, but perhaps in the leg, and why. Let us know who you think that should be, going through the usual channels. On that note, we'll be back with the interview to stop all interviews with the key man. If you think he's unhinged now, then wait. Just wait until you hear what he has got to say. You know what boys, from time to time there are certain events in your life that you should celebrate, embrace and run to the top of a mountain to tell everyone about. That first kiss, your wedding, the birth of your children, that fantastic feeling of winning a tennis premiership. On the other hand, there are three things you cannot avoid. Death, taxes and Lachlan Smith dropping his racket on a Thursday night. We might have all avoided the first two tonight We didn't actually see the last one come out As it was such a convincing victory Welcome Lachlan to the podcast
1: Thank you Thank you
0: Now first mate, I want to run a few names past you And then see if you can guess the connection You ready? Always Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Edgar Davids Billy Jean King Larry Perkins Clive Lloyd Any idea?
1: Are they sports people that happen to wear glasses?
0: They are indeed, Lachlan. Very well played, mate. Now, those athletes, incidentally, were actually taken off a top 10 list. Where would you place yourself on that list, mate?
1: Probably 11th. Yeah, I I think I would be. um, Mainly for my consistency around the court and and definitely um, first serve percentages, I think I'd have myself 11th. Pushing 10th
0: i tell you what, there is some esteemed company right there you put yourself in. You might be a little bit lower than 11, mate, but uh, as long as you feel you're 11, that's what we'll go with. Excellent. Now, firstly, Lachlan, we had a quick chat last time I saw you, and you mentioned you were originally from Hawthorne. What memories do you have growing up in the area?
1: Oh, the good old days, hey? The glory days of the Hawkers. Um, Yeah, I grew up in Hawthorne, and uh, it was generally a pretty... Uh, enjoyable childhood. Um, <clears throat> I had a, or during probably high school, I had a really good friend that lived in Baldwin, and uh, he was a footy fanatic, and uh, we just spent a lot of, yeah, we spent a lot of time together, when, and probably during high school, a lot of uh, our friends kind of all often seemed to meet up at my place, not because I was the most popular, but because <laughs> my house was in the best position for public transport, so... Uh, no, it was generally a relatively good childhood, and we often, uh, more in adolescence, kind of 18, 19, found ourselves down at the old Glenferry Oval um, After a couple of drinks, and there used to be a c- uh, a cigar shop on the corner of uh, Glenferry Road that we used to go into and buy $4 cigars and then get a goon bag and go to the Glenferry Oval. So they were they were classic nights, yeah.
0: I'll tell you what mate we are about 2 minutes into this interview and you've given me more than Harding mate that's right. fantastic yeah. son. So uh, speaking of uh school mate which school did you go to?
1: It's uh I generally like to keep it secret but I'm a, I'm uh, as Wally referred to me a wasp which I went to a, a Scotch college so uh um yeah in down in Hawthorne.
0: Yeah that is a pretty strong sporting school I believe.
1: Yes. Well they've well that's uh graduated one L Smith, um <laughs> sitting number eleventh on that esteem list that you mentioned before. <laughs> but yeah, there's a uh, Campbell Brown, two thousand eight premiership player, um, bit of a psycho. And um Nick Smith, who I always seem to get confused with by the teachers, um, until they realised he was the talented one and I was just a year older. Uh that was the main one and um yeah, unfortunately, if for those more um, astute listeners, uh, what was his name? There's
0: none of them are in here. Yeah.
1: What was his name? Cheese Barlow, Edward Barlow, a uh, Sydney rookie that played a few games. It was absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's not there's a few kind of floating around these days.
0: Fantastic, mate. Now, did you plan on going down a sporting path at all, or were you more academically minded?
1: Well, I used to when I was young, I was just absolutely infatuated with cricket and uh I was just you know we're talking probably year five, you know probably year six um you know 12 years old. it was just the most important thing in my life and I remember this one day where it was uh used to play for the uh the Campbelltown Magpies old uh what was that guy's name Elliot, who used to be Australian opening batsman, he was revered down there Matt Elliot Matt Elliott um anyway we had a game and it was it was like forty-four degrees and it was cancelled and I remember going home and crying and then I was uh, thinking that's a little bit sad. So uh I, I loved cricket when I was younger. Um but then as I aged, this is a little bit sad, I uh became <laughs> short sighted. Okay, so I literally had a year where I got my average was about two with the bat, it used to be an opening batsman. And uh didn't realise that I needed glasses. So uh and then I, since then I just I just lost the uh, lost the form and uh kind of ended up just kinda of giving it away. I could have been anything. I could have been anything.
0: Yeah. You could have been.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm not sure what you are though. Yeah. <laughs> now I've gotta ask you something, mate. Growing up in Hawthorne, why did you not follow the hawks? You could have saved a lot of heartache supporting them instead of the rabble that Melbourne have dished up since about 2006 until this year, mate. What happened?
1: Well, when I was very young, I used to actually, when I'm talking about like five years old, I actually used to support the West Coast Eagles because my dad was never super into footy and the West Coast Eagles were the colours of my sister's school uniform and I thought they were, I just liked the uniform, you know, that's you're five years old. And then I got taught that, you know, you can't go from a, for a team from Perth so my dad, um, I, f- I-, I was thinking about joining Essendon because my pop supported Essendon. There was a bit of Essendon support in the family. Uh, but luckily, I came to my senses and uh, and supported the Mighty Ds. But I must say, during, you know, 2000... or oh, 98 to 2006, we were pretty good every, uh, every even year. Um, but uh, probably since moving to Queensland, we've been shit, shit... So it's it's been heartbreaking Liz hasn't really realised since we've been in a relationship That I've just been <laughs> depressed pretty much every single year And then this year I'm a little bit more bullish Yeah.
0: Now, of course, on the subject, mate You are married to Liz And mm. you've got two boys, Teddy and Finn How old are the boys?
1: They are three and four
0: I understand, Lachlan Liz isn't that keen on tennis Will you be getting the boys into tennis when they are older?
1: Yes, I will. Uh, I've spoken to our current coach about it, and he's actually urged me to leave it. I'm not sure if it's because he's seen Teddy's hand-eye coordination or he feels like he's not ready yet. Um, But, yeah, I uh, I already have a bit of a hit with him in the back garden. Um, Teach them how to throw the racket, drop the racket, (laughs) you know, stare down the opponent. So the crucial bits early on before we get into the actual nitty gritty Hmm.
0: And uh, what age do you realistically think they will be able to knock you off on the court?
1: Well, that's a good question. I'm hoping I can get to about 12, because uh, my knees aren't what they used to be, and I feel like they might run me around the court, the little buggers. Yes.
0: Do you want to have a think about that and amend that answer? Nine. (laughs) Okay. Now, on the subject of family, Lachlan Smith... What are you like after a win or a loss on a Thursday with them? What do you think they would say about you when you come home?
1: Well, luckily the kids are generally asleep when I come home. There was one particular night, this would have been a couple of years ago, when we were shit um, and pretty much lost every single match. We had a home game and it was just a good night. I'm, there were a few of us there, I'm not sure who was off, Probably Harding, because everyone doesn't like Harding. And, um, you know, this is when you used to drink, Mark. So, you know, you were actually quite enjoyable to hang around with. And uh, we 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 won, which was rare for the time. And we just all stayed around to about 11, just uh, drinking tins. I think I had probably a little bit too many. Came home, kind of like a bit off the, uh, you know, I was just like, couldn't put the stupid key in the door. Finally get it open dropping the racket, kicking the can of balls over, waking up the kids. I'm like, yeah, Lux, (laughs) (laughs) Sunbury's back. Um, (laughs) So Liz wasn't too pleased with that because I think I woke both of the kids up. But, um, but, you know, I'm sure they were long-term. I think they really embraced that, you know, the fact that, you know, victory is everything. I'm, I'm sure I'll instill that into them being a Demon supporter. Fantastic.
0: Now, Lachlan... On the home front, mate, I oh, hear you are a bit of a handyman. Now, that also, I believe, extends to changing the odd tyre or two on a vehicle. Is there anything you'd like to tell the audience about your
1: tyre-changing efforts? They're not particularly good. Um, that's why we have the RACV around. Um, I, uh, I'm i not too sure where you're leading with this question, but uh, when I do remember... Having to change a tyre with a couple of friends and me just sitting there and watching and critiquing while they do all the work. That sounds something like I would do. I'm good at that. I'm good at critiquing.
0: Alright, I might leave that one at there. I, I heard a rumour that... Uh, did you nearly kill yourself the other week trying to change a tyre? Oh, that. Yes,
1: that, that was,
0: that's what I'm alluding to. That was
1: actually an oil change, if you must know. Oh, it was uh, an oil get your, change. Get your facts right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did nearly kill myself. but And I must say... Bloody, Et Taylor wasn't completely, you know, guilt-free in that. Um, anyway, I borrowed my neighbour's uh, jack to prop the car up. And, this uh,
0: is where I want it to go.
1: I didn't completely align it as well as one should, so I propped it up a little bit. Lucky I don't have a big head like Clark. That um, <coughs> the jack kind of snapped or like was positioned incorrectly and kind of. Uh, Got off, and the car kind of came tumbling down on me. But yeah, as I said, you know, I was centimetres from death. Um, I I I take no responsibility in that. That was that was mainly Eric's fault. Do you he didn't think, counsel me well enough.
0: Do you think maybe you could have put your tennis racket under there, mate? It would have probably served a bit more purpose than what you use it
1: for on the court. Tennis rackets are for dropping. Yeah, it's always been my motto. Great motto it is.
0: Now, Lachlan, I think the first time I met you was on a Saturday afternoon down at the club before your first season with us. Now, I remember you were having a hit with the usual Saturday afternoon crew along with one of our favourites of all time, Nick Vitralakis. Nicky. Nicky boy, yes. The first thing I noticed, Lachlan, when you were warming up was your propensity to hit balls so far out that they would hit the back fences. That was back in spring 2015. It's now spring 2018 and you're still doing it. Mm. Is this just a tactic to suck the opposition in or can you genuinely not understand that the tennis court is not as big as you think it is?
1: I think there's an issue with the Sunbury court layout that I think I might have to have a word with Pat about. I swear those fences are much too close to the baseline, so... You might not understand this, but I'm, sometimes my vision gets a bit blurred between the baseline and the fence, and I just, I just hit through it, you know. And sometimes it might just skew off a little bit into the fence. But you know, that's that's pretty pretty standard when you hit the ball at the the velocity I do. <coughs> that's you wouldn't know anything about that,
0: Foster. <laughs> oh God! i was supposed to be racing you. You're not supposed to be racing me, mate. But uh, look, we'll keep cracking on. Now, keeping on the same topic. We've all had some pre-season coaching with the guru of summary, David Thuma. And in a recent interview with him, which was quite controversial, oh. it took him 13 seconds to highlight a strength, but he was quicker to label your weakness with the backhand. How would, you li- <laughs> How would you like to respond to his delay in highlighting your strength?
1: I heard that from Thuma, and I must say, <laughs> when it took him 13 seconds... To highlight a, you know, advantage asset of my game. And then what did he say? Something about intensity or some such. That's bullshit. (laughs) Um, What about mobility, intensity, movements, first serve, volley? There's plenty out there. There's plenty to my game. It is a dynamic game. And then to, you know jump on the backhand i I'll let you know I'll let you in on a little secret. I still think my backhand and it's not like for me to blow my own trumpet, but I think it's definitely the best backhand in the team between you and me and everyone else in the team um it is it is laser like as you saw tonight
0: is it warrinka like
1: could be well he's got a single hander doesn't he um mine's a mine's a double i sh- I've given Harding a couple of lessons about the backhand and as you can see, he hasn't taken it on board. Um, he doesn't take anything on board, no. He no. couldn't take a backhand advice on board to save his life, but uh, to save his backhand. Not at the point, but... Um, so have you just given him a backhanded backhand criticism? I have, I have. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, that cr- criticism from Tuma about my backhand was, you know, I, I think the backhand's an asset. So he can take a long walk off a short plank. For that <laughs> oh Jesus <minute. geez. laughs> Christ. Now,
0: who were your tennis idols growing up? That is a good question.
1: Um well, full of good questions, mate. I loved Marat Safin. And I Is also, that because he had anger issues? I quite liked the fleet of girls that he often used to bring into his little his uh his kind of viewing area. Uh another one I liked um, he was probably the best one. I, I liked the saf. And uh, there was a Swedish player. Um, what was his name? Who's now a coach? Borg? Or Norman? Magnus Norman. I liked, quite like Magnus Norman. Magnus Norman. Yeah, but I think seven was my number one. I used to try to mimic my game on seven, and that might be why a lot of the balls end up in the fence. But, uh, but yeah, I, I liked saf dog.
0: Beautiful. Now, Lachlan Smith, you've had a crack at being captain of these reprobates for Mm. one season. And I think it is fair to say, from all of us involved, it was an extremely interesting season. Your antics were quite eye-opening and gave us a real insight into the real Lachlan Smith on court and demonstrated the power of white line fever in mild-mannered chaps such as yourself. How much joy did you get out of belittling and blatantly abusing all of us that season?
1: I'm going to be honest. I didn't like being captain. I felt like it, uh I felt like quite responsible for you pack of losers. Oh, uh, and okay. and it, it it did get to me. I got a bit of white line fever that season. I'm going to be honest. Um, so I think from memory, I was quite easy to hand out the credit. Criticism would that be? Would that be a fair comment? Um, this is your show, but um, yeah, maybe there was probably more dropping of the rackets and gasping than there probably should be during one season. But uh, but yeah, I, I play with the uh, the heart on the sleeve, as they say.
0: Now, having said that, mate, was it one of your all-time favourite sporting moments? Making us all live in fear of making a mistake.
1: It was. To be fair. It isn't helped by having teammates such as Harding and, at some t- stages, Eric Taylor. <laughs> I actually didn't mind playing with, um... old oh, what's-his-face? Boom! Oh, Blaker. Blaco. Oh, uh, no, nothing. He did make you walk a bit taller, Blake, and the, the thing about it, although he very seldom hit one of those winners in, that um I remember one time, I'm not sure who we were playing, and, uh... I might have made a bit of a dodgy line call, a la Matthew Clark, every second game, and um, it you know it was it was close, and I was like, oh, that's out, and, and the two guys at the other end, I think it could have been Milnes, um, and didn't take too kindly to it. Um, Luckily, I'm so glad that at that night I was playing with Blake and not with Harding, because if I was playing with Harding, he would have been like, oh, yeah, Lockie, you know, that would have been, that was that looks pretty close. I'm not sure about that, but we were playing with Blake, and he stood up for me. He's like, if Lockie said it's out, it's out, that's our point.
0: (laughs) He's a very interesting cat, Blake, and that's probably why you got on so well with him, I would suspect. Now, having said that, Lachlan, describe your captaincy in... Three words, not forty-three.
1: Intense, brutal, unforgiving. I would have gone dictatorship.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of which, on court, mate. Excuse me. There are a few things I notice. Firstly, you may not know this, but I do. The number of foot faults you produce (laughs) when you are serving. How in God's name have you been getting away for, with it for so long? And when do you think the opposition are going to have a really good look at your footwork?
1: I just really hope <coughs> when the time comes when they do have a good look, I'm not playing with Harding. Because um, I would appreciate when it does happen for the footnote that you guys back me up. Um, he's not going to back you up. Yeah, he's not going to back me up. I'll be walking to my death with that one. Um I feel like would it be fair to say that I've improved this year? I maybe stand a little bit back after David's coaching.
0: It would be fair to say. I think he's serving it much nicer and much easier, mate. Oh,
1: thank think going very nice. That's a uh, that's a positive feedback from you, that.
0: It's about all you get. Mm-hmm. Secondly, Lachlan, your uncanny ability to call balls out from the opposition before the balls even actually even landed. How long do you think it will be before you cop the wrong opponent who might want to have a chat to you after the game?
1: Well, it was last season or the year before, and yes. <laughs> to be fair, like, who <laughs> cares? Like if the ball's in the air, I might get the semantics. If it's long, if it's out, it's much the same. You know, word. I'm really half talking to my partner to not hit the ball. Because Harding and Taylor seem to love that, you know, not letting it bounce tactic. Um, so it's more letting them know not to touch it, plus a bit of kind of verbal verbal communication with your partner. Um, don't screw it up, don't touch that ball, otherwise this racket's going in your forehead. So uh, something along those lines. It's, it's, but sometimes I might say long when it's not, let's say. And, um, and that has led to a yeah, problem once or twice. I did get called up about it. And guess who I was playing with, Harding oh yeah thank, thanks for that um, thanks for that you know support there Harding, but i i'm I'm a bit like, who cares? It's not interrupting the game um i'll I'll let it go, but i i I can probably see that it's gonna ruffle some feathers
0: now, is there a fair chance, Lachlan, one day you might even call it out a split second after it leaves the opponent's racket,
1: yeah, good to. yeah, I think I might have done one tonight where it's uh. Didn't go over the net. But uh, I think that was playing with you, actually. So, yeah, I, I sometimes I like the early calls. So, um, yeah, I might have to I might have to watch that one.
0: I don't think we stuck around on court long enough to worry about what the opposition were doing, no. to be honest.
1: No, we're just dominating. Indeed.
0: Now, thirdly, and the obvious elephant in the room, Lachlan, this is without doubt your piece de resistance, the racket drop. Everyone, and I mean everyone in the club loves it I think you, Daniel Katrupas from B Reserve (laughs) 2 We love Daniel And the guy who doesn't play with us anymore Mr Blake Knutson Are the best proponents of the good old racket throw at the club Now I believe Lachlan You may not know this But there were even bets taken during a previous season To see how many you could do in one night Having said that I, along the listeners Want to know two things. Firstly, what is wrong with you?
1: Well, I think it's a little bit mental, and I don't like to go into it too much. I think there's a big difference between a racket drop and a racket throw. And I can drop it when I'm I nearly dropped it tonight with Eric's double folds. Like for, you're killing me. Jesus you are absolutely Christ. killing me. It's I I nearly dropped it, and then I thought, no, need to need to propel kind of good vibes here. You know, good, good. You know, karma for uh, good love and feeling for Eric. You know, because he's serving bloody woefully. Uh, but I, and then, but then. After his second one, I, I, I nearly, it nearly, it nearly hit me. It nearly got the better of me. But uh, so there's a distinct difference between the racket drop, which is more out of, I'm going to be honest with you, disappointment in my partner, uh, or, um, you know, a racket throw, which is generally more disappointment at me screwing up.
0: You don't generally tend to drop your racket when you play with me. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it
1: is. it? Mm. yeah, hearing that Harding and Taylor.
0: And the other six listeners yeah, as well, yeah, mate. I now, haven't dropped it that much this week. Now, second question, mate. Where is the anger coming
1: from? Deep, deep inside. Yeah. Um, and that is exactly... Yeah,
0: that is exactly what we love about you, mate. We don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's coming from. It's just one of those things,
1: isn't it? It does rear its head, it seems to, during... I used to... Sometimes play golf and now I don't play golf anymore because I just found it too bloody frustrating so I've just kind of swallowed my pill and and don't play anymore um, I do kind of lose my shit a little bit playing tennis and watching the ds play so um yeah that's uh that's that's just life
0: fantastic mate is there anything new we can see from the key man this season or are you quite happy with your repertoire?
1: Yeah, well, based on our coach's feedback, I need to work on my backhand, although I don't completely agree with that feedback. Um, but definitely my first serve.
0: Lovely. Now, getting away from the disappointments, apart from winning flags on the tennis court, your favourite memory of all time? On the tennis court.
1: On the tennis court. Ho, ho. Um... Yeah, it would be that that uh grand final win we had at St John Bosco. That was that was a good night. That was a good night. Um didn't play particularly well, but I think from memory did Clark generally carry the team that night. I'm, I'll, I'll he'll be turning my grave hearing me actually say that, but you can edit that out later, can't you, Mark? Um but yeah, he did play well that night and uh, and got us through.
0: Well, yeah, he did, but he wasn't BOG. <laughs> oh, you, you know. <laughs> yes. Stats don't lie, my friend. You people have got to start listening to my stats, mate. We do, we do. Indeed. Now, any particular time, any particular team, you've enjoyed beating at all, Lachlan?
1: That's a difficult one to answer because there's one particular team we haven't beaten that I cannot wait till we beat, which is uh, is it what West? uh, No, Coburg, West Coburg, Wally's team. I we lost to them was it three or four times? In uh, in two seasons, and uh, I I am looking forward to uh, to getting the wood over them one day. And he loves the chat, doesn't he, Wall? Oh, he gets inside my brain that Wall Wall. So uh, I think it might be better if I don't. I I always seem to end up matching up with Wall, which probably isn't a good thing because he does kind of know how to get me to drop my racket or throw it into the fence.
0: I'm very interested to see who's had you matched up against him, mate. Yes. He's got to be held responsible, surely. Lachlan, I believe you have had two members of this tennis team doing some work in the backyard. Mm. Of course, they are the Hitman and E.T. How is this coming along? Can we have an update?
1: Well, it shouldn't surprise you that the progress is slow, to say the least. But uh, it's, it, it is interesting to see the dynamic in between A. Harding and Taylor which is a bit... Um, I, I'm usually not there, but the impression I get is it's a bit like an old married couple. Uh, my son, Teddy, really does like spending time in the garden um, with Ash and Eric as well. And sometimes Ash is there just by himself and Teddy pops out for a bit of a chinwag. Uh, which, and I do hear about the stuff that they say or will we'll get on to later in the day. And uh, no, it sounds like they have a good time. A few jokes are said. Uh, a lot of it seems to be over Harding's head, but uh, it's. Uh, I'm sure they. I'm sure they have interesting conversations.
0: When is it expected to be completed?
1: Probably about 2030. By the way oh, that they're God going, sake. but they. Uh, to be fair, Ash, uh, in particular, has had to, and I hope this doesn't ex- extend to uh, Liz's ears. Has had to extend with Liz's personality and. Um, <laughs> Her request to kind of derail the project by she she can sometimes have these uh, thoughts that she thinks are an absolute perla, but everyone else on earth is well aware that is not a good idea. And Ash, in his wisdom, is trying to kind of guide her out of it, but I can see how that's a bit of a delicate uh, conversation so. There is a conversation going on at the moment about a vegetable patch, which she's quite gung ho about, and I think Ash and me are a bit less uh, enthusiastic about.
0: You, my friend, are about to get you put one of your foot on the uh, the old slippery slope. I reckon oh, I with this I this, this uh, interview, mate. That. So, yes. just on the subject, <laughs> how on earth is it still possibly being worked on? And how long it will be until you or certain other members of your family put the foot down and say, Ashley, Eric, no
1: more. To be fair, I think they're actually doing a pretty good job. And uh, if anyone is the enforcer in our house, it's probably my youngest who's just absolutely neurotic. Um, So I think they're actually doing a good job, which is is surprising, to be honest. Um, Their dynamic... It was funnily enough, when they first started, they they did moot this idea for a uh, kind of a tree-lopping business that I thought would be quite good, but I can't imagine them working together full-time. I think there would be a lot of bickering between them.
0: Mm. Christ, a tree-lopping business. Yeah. Geez, they won't get into emergencies that often, will they? Those two boys. Mm. Mm. What is it in comedy? They say the best thing in comedy is about two knuckleheads trying to work on a plan. Make an excellent episode, wouldn't it? It would. It would. Indeed. Now, Lachlan, just before we get to our final question, I've asked the boys a couple of weeks ago to throw a few questions at you. Mm. So if you are more than happy to answer them, I will throw them your way. Always. So the first few questions... Are from the cereal? Are from the cereal pest? I'm a bit worried about his first question, mate, because there is a bit of preoccupation with him going on. Anyway, question one: If we got rid of Clark, how much of a better side would we be? Oh, that,
1: that's a good question. <laughs> now that, well, let's just say the average. Uh, Mobility around the court. If there was some type of statistic for team mobility, and Clark wasn't in the team, it would skyrocket. Uh, but he does bring cohesion to the team and a little bit of humor, although it pains me to say so. And uh, the thing, the most important about thing about Clark is his ability to engage the opposition and be nice to them. After I'm usually kind of sulking in a corner. They think Ash is a bit odd and, you know, if we're going to have a policeman in our team and, you know, you're hardly far from normal. So it is good to have him him in the team because it kind of makes us seem a little bit more, you know, engaging as a, as, as a team. And, well, Laurie, well, you know, who knows what's going on there. Sometimes he's just drinking tins in the corner. So, uh, which which Clark also does as well. So, you know, um, it would be, I think he adds adds, uh, adds power to the team on and but mostly off the court. Very diplomatic of me, isn't it? You might not be
0: diplomatic when I ask you the next question. Mm-hmm. How old was that kid that smashed you in the club championships, mate?
1: Oh, you look a <laughs> Um I think he was he 16. I he wasn't 12. I'm going to put that out there. He was he was upper upper school and he was uh he hit him pretty hard. Um And I put it another footnote. He would have beaten anyone else in our team as well. And I had a bad day. It was windy. Uh, 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 I'll
0: tell you what, mate. There is absolutely nothing wrong with getting smashed by a kid in the club championships. Mm. Special shout-out to (laughs) Bobra (laughs) Gaglia. What a horrible day that was. Now, the other questions, mate, are from the Canadian. Mm. Question one. Have you ever been recommended to attend anger management
1: classes? No, and I'm not really even sure where that question's coming from. That's just, very just settle down, mate. Uh, it's
0: all right. Don't don't get upset.
1: Don't don't get upset. Don't don't fly off the radar. Uh, no, I'm a. I feel like I'm a. I'm a bit like a, a beautiful flower. That's how I would uh, describe my, anger management system. It's uh, really it, it's loving and even to everyone and you know open to. I'm like a lily, you know, loving the sun. I'm sunny. I'm vibrant. Apart from when the D's lose and I get absolutely vulgar and hate everybody. Uh, outside of that, and when <laughs> bloody that Canadian double faults twice in a game and I'm about to stick his head in between the tennis court. But, you know, outside of that, it, I, I, I'm a happy-go-lucky guy.
0: I reckon you remind me of the John Warsfold of Summer Lawn Tennis Club. Mate. Nice and mild-mannered, but ready to give the shirt front out when you mm. need to. Question two from the Canadian... When is Liz going to be on this podcast?
1: Hopefully never. And But I do feel like um, people are working behind my back to try to get her on the podcast and I hope she doesn't hear one of those comments I might have said before. Uh, so if she was to go on, it would be interesting because um, she's quite eloquent and sometimes cutting in her feedback. She does generally know if we win or lose by the... Uh, tone of my kind of stumble down the, the hallway towards the bedroom to know if we won or lost um and my general anger level as well usually goes bloody harding you know <laughs> or always pumping up the other side
0: oh is a nightmare isn't he oh,
1: don't get me started
0: if i get you started it'll be no finishing <laughs> Thankfully, something that's about to finish is this interview, mate. It's uh, as I said before. In about the first two minutes, you gave me more than Harding has, and you've uh, you've excelled yourself, mate. So uh,
1: finally, Lachlan. I think I got dumber listening to Harding's interview. I must say. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. Mm.
0: Now, Lachlan, I'm going to give you the famous word association test, oh. along the same lines as what I gave our previous guests. Now, bearing in mind you were labelled as angry by the first guest and the second guest made mention of your placebo tape use, now is the chance to get a little bit back and, in addition, stoke the fires for the upcoming guests. Are you ready? Yeah. Three words or less, not 43. Matthew Clark.
1: Poor mobility.
0: Mark Foster.
1: Very odd.
0: Stephen Tingay.
1: Brother was better.
0: Fair enough. God. John McEnroe.
1: Calm tempered person. I would have thought role model.
0: Laurie Reynolds.
1: Beer drinking machine. David Thuma. In- incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Placebo tape. Is that Canadian? I don't I never really understood that. <sighs> but you know I had to go I had to go and look it up. I yeah. Anyway,
0: anyway landscape gardeners. Okay.
1: Overpriced.
0: Racket tossing. Standard. Winning. Important. Losing. Regular.
1: Eric Taylor. Hmm. Gray Fox. <coughs>
0: Ashley Harding.
1: Going backwards.
0: (laughs) Much like this interview, mate. (laughs) Lachlan Smith, thank you very, very much for your time, mate. That was outstanding. Thank you. I'll tell you what, boys, didn't he bring a lot to that interview? Take note, you boys, if I ever do this podcast again next season, you better step your game up. Anyway, that's it for tonight. Uh, comfortable win to the boys 34 games to 20 Um, fantastic victory uh, all set up in the first two sets more or less and brought home in the last two now this particular studio we're in at the moment is uh, Lachlan's good lady wife car and uh, as it isn't officially a sponsor I can't mention what it is but I'll tell you what it's it's a very nice automobile Despite the fact it's not an Audi. Mm. On that note, good night. Good luck.